This week on The Right Fit. You have a drawer, and you open that drawer up, and there's a list of names. It's not that you don't love your coaches that you have, but if one of my coaches were to lead tomorrow, for about every single one of our positions, I can open up a drawer, and I have a list of names of people that I would be interested in. Assistant coaches need to find a way to get themselves on that list. The Right Fit Podcast is brought to you by the Rising Coaches Search Firm. Rising Coaches has become one of the most trusted names in college basketball since 2010. And since 2010, we've been helping head coaches fill their staff. Now we're helping athletic directors hire their head coaches. We launched the Rising Coaches Search Firm at the end of 2019 and already have a successful track record of helping programs make great hires. If you want more information on how you can leverage one of the most vast networks and communities in college basketball to help you improve the quality of your candidate pool and find the exact right fit for your program, then visit risingcoaches.com slash search dash firm. Thanks for listening to The Right Fit, the show where we sit down with athletic directors and discuss their hiring process, what they're looking for in a head coach, and how they find it. I'm Adam Gordon, and today we're joined by James Arnold, Athletic Director at Columbia College. James just finished his first year at Columbia College. He has over 18 years of experience in college athletics, including a very successful run in women's basketball, which resulted in over 250 wins as a head coach. I asked James if transitioning into administration was always a goal for him. You know, I sort of always had that uh, in, in mind as I was moving through my career. Sometimes young in my career, taking on some administrative duties and some extra duties was a way to make a little bit of extra money and just help out. Uh, but certainly um, as I dug into it, I enjoyed it quite a bit, felt like it was something that I had a knack for. I enjoy learning about other people's uh, sports and their perspectives and how they handle things. And so um, at later in the coaching career, I, I added some of those administrative duties as an assistant AD to my uh, experience level and resume, and uh, it paid off, and I've enjoyed it. And so now I never nece- I never made career choices based on becoming an AD, but certainly the career choices I've made and the opportunities I've had have led me here to where I feel like it's a good fit. James, I, w- I want you to uh, give me some advice here. Let's say I just got an athletic director job and I have a coaching position uh, that just came open, Uh, whether we let somebody go or they moved on to another situation. We've got an open spot. I have to fill it. Uh, It just happened 15 minutes ago. What advice can you give me? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. I've actually been in a similar situation, um, not necessarily here, but as an assistant at any of the previous school where, you know, we had to move pretty quickly or try to move pretty quickly um, with with a soccer position. And so, you know, I think a lot of things that we do at this level is find out uh, what programs are successful either in the conference or similar level and have similar needs. Uh, different institutions have different needs, and I think that's important for coaches to understand where some institutions are more enrollment-based um, emphasis. Some are more winning emphasis-based. Uh, some are more going to put an emphasis on the fundraising piece and those experiences. So finding out uh, who uh, has been successful with what we need um, in maybe a similar geographic area, similar institution. What I ended up doing in that case was calling around and looking for assistant coaches, uh, maybe even some GAs uh, at high-level programs that were in the region that um, to target some folks. I also reached out and uh, to other administrators and other high-level coaches to see who they could recommend. Um, you don't have to reinvent the wheel uh, in order to find quality candidates, but reaching out to a trusted circle. And as you've emerged into an administrative role or even a head coaching role, 
you've built some contacts within the contacts within the circle that can certainly be helpful in that process. Are you going into a search knowing that you're looking for, you know, XYZ characteristics or experiences, or are you kind of, like you said, calling around and seeing who's available, who's out there that might have some interest? That's a really good question too. I think a lot of it depends on the athletic director. And for my case, my background has mostly been in basketball, of course, and a little bit of baseball. So when I'm looking at those positions, I feel very comfortable that I know exactly what I'm looking for, what the school needs, what the, what the, what the team and the returning roster makeup looks like and what they need. And I feel very comfortable about moving forward with exactly, you know, with those attributes and experiences that I'm looking for in mind. However, you know, I recently went through an esports hiring process. That's not something that's necessarily in my experience level and wheelhouse. So I did use those resources and other connections and what other institutions are doing to be successful, um, sort of probing and finding out what their coaching staff looks like and whether anybody's ready to make that move or not. Um, in volleyball, not necessarily something I have a ton of knowledge about, but I've been around some successful programs. So contacting and reaching out uh, to folks that can be of help and recommendation, recommending folks, and also just connecting with the right people who do know um, a lot of the expertise, uh, have the expertise to find a lot of the people that you should be looking for. And are you, are you, when you're evaluating candidates uh, outside of your area of expertise, so let's say like esports is a perfect example, what mm-hmm. are you, you, like how are you evaluating these candidates? Are you looking yeah. to see if they have a plan? You know, what, what are some of the things that you're looking yeah. for? Yeah, you know, so for, for me, especially in a, in a sport or a, a, something that's outside of my expertise, I'm really looking for passion, I'm, passion in the process. Uh, how interested are they in being a part of our group? How well will they assimilate with our current staff? Um, do their experiences or their, not necessarily experiences, but do, do they show the flexibility and adaptability to fit what it is that we need for that time in that role? Um, the other thing that was, you know, being prepared and being knowledgeable, you know, nowadays there's about two, two or three interviews or phone calls that happen before someone gets on campus. So I'm looking for a progression each time, showing their knowledge base, their interest level, their commitment to, you know, if I needed to start tomorrow, I could do that. I have the knowledge base of the community and of that uh, particular team in mind. It could come in and hit the ground running. Um, I think that's what I look for the most. I, I know it sounds crazy, but to me, the energy that someone brings into a room, um, it can be confidence, but it's not necessarily outward, outward confidence. It's more just um, comfortable in their own skin and it's not, it's very authentic. I look for authenticity and energy and a lot of times in those situations, because if they've gotten that far from me, it's because the committee that's also done some screening, as well as people within the circles that I trust have told me that these people can be great at their jobs. So now it's about fit. Now it's about, do they fit in with our culture? Do they bring something to us, to our, to our college uh, in general, but our coaching staff and our department, can they bring something new and valuable for what we need? Obviously, you like a candidate to come in prepared, um, but do you like a, a portfolio or a, a packet to be handed to you, a PowerPoint, or are you really just looking to see if you have a connection and, and like you said, get a gauge for their their plan and purpose and passion? I think it can go two ways. The first off is that the packet, the presentation is something that's become so standard that you almost have to do that. Even if they say, don't worry about it, you feel obligated because other candidates are going to do so. 
I think finding a way to make sure that the packet that a coach brings to me or a candidate brings to me is, again, authentic and unique to them and stands out. Um, but it's not necessarily going to make or break at that point. It sort of could be the tie-breaking decision. Or if I were to lean one way or the other, I might dig into that information to see how much authenticity, how much originality, and how much energy was put into that particular you know, process. I think um, depending on the position, um, we've asked candidates to come in and talk about their recruiting philosophy and when, when a, an athletic director or a search committee asks that, I think that's your time to shine with um, PowerPoint presentations and those sort of presentation tools that can show that you have a grasp and have a plan. I will tell you, I've talked to a lot of other administrators, and I feel the same way, that you're not going to know everything about somebody's scholarship packages when you're interviewing. You're not going to know everything about academic money. You're not going to know everything about the culture, but showing that you have a plan that can be adapted to their plan and what knowledge you can get is very important. You obviously have a head coaching experience under your belt. And I would imagine that you feel like with each year and each position and each stop, you probably got a little bit better and better uh, as you went. How much, how much do you covet head coaching experience? Is that important to you uh, when you make a hire? You know, I think it's certainly helpful but I look at the level that we're at, um, and we're a high-level NAI, and we're really fortunate to have just extremely successful teams. And uh, I think, you know, from a you know a resources a resources standpoint, from coaching salaries on down to you know scholarship dollars, we're in a very, very, very positive situation. But in our world, where the biggest we're at, misconception that coaching that you know is helpful, and that, but it's certainly learned over I would the years say, is that you know, not a deal breaker for me. Job it also kind of depends level on and at what does the rest of the conference look like? Division two what level does, now um, is roster and enrollment management. What does the roster make look like? And understanding so how to build a roster, roster of you know in basketball, I'm returning a roster of of ten high level you know uh, high level student athletes that saw significant playing time, letter winners. Um, then certainly the approach I take to a hiring process may be not an emphasis on recruiting, but someone that can coach and has head coaching experience. If I'm looking at a roster that is, you know, has needs eight, nine, ten new faces, then I might look more for someone that has the recruiting experience and the ties to bring in student athletes at a high level and then allow them to learn on the game. The beauty of our level, though, ultimately, is that this is a great spot for that assistant coach that's either been a little bit of a higher level or has been work, has worked with people at our level to come over and get their first chance. What are you looking for from somebody looking for their first chance with no high, head coaching experience? What are you looking for to jump out at you to, to feel confident to pull the trigger and, and give them that first shot? I think the biggest, the biggest misconception that you know and that, uh, that we have learned over the years is that 50% of the job at my level and at equivalent levels and even the division two level now is roster and enrollment management and an experience in understanding how to build a roster within the confines of not just giving out full rides, but how to, um, you know, how to utilize scholarships on campus, academic dollars, um, understanding of stackable aid, understanding of a discount rate um, from division two now um, all the way down, even through junior college, uh, an understanding of roster construction and discount rate and how to leverage academic scholarships in order to save on the athletic scholarships goes a really, really long way. Having an understanding, even at some small division ones now, of how to leverage in-state scholarships versus out-of-state scholarships. Um, everybody that comes in as a candidate can recruit 
go into a gym and identify the best students and go out and give them full rides. But can you recruit and can you work and have an understanding of how the athletic recruiting process works within enrollment management? It's, it's really 50% of the job these days. So I think an understanding of that can separate you from that person that maybe has coached at a little bit of a higher level or does have some head coaching experience but has never had to deal or work with uh, roster management. That's critical. Another thing that I look for um, is experience within the region or an understanding of at least how to work with people who are experienced in the region. Um, I had somebody call the other day. They were interested in a job in Texas. They're not from Texas. I said, but can you go in after you've gotten some traction and show them that you have some connections and how to work the area in Texas to be fruitful and helpful for you? I think doing that proactive work, both with enrollment management as well as the connections you make for recruiting, but also just networking around the, the college itself is very important. James, you touched on um, all the different hats that a coach has to wear, especially at that level, really any level, but especially at the small college level. How how much do you take into account someone's ability to just coach their sport and be really good, you know, X's and O's and recruiting and, and coaching their team versus their ability to engage the community, uh, fundraise, and just be an overall ambassador uh, to your institution? I, I think this is this is a brutally honest answer, but I think in some ways it does matter with the community and history and expectations of that particular program. If that makes sense. So if in our volleyball program, our volleyball program is the winningest in NAI history. We've got six national championships, four runner-up. That position is going to require someone that can not only do those other hats, but mo- most importantly, can win and win the right way. That's very important. But I would tell you. It's important to every at the small college level and even the small division one level, honestly, for the coach to be able to engage and the community to be able to work across campus with residential life, with admissions, with dining services, with tutoring services and can work and play well with others. I think that is the, really separates more so at this level where the X's and O's and the wins and losses either can be taught or you can watch somebody learn on the job or you're okay with those mistakes as long as students are being respectful across campus, as long as fundraising, if, if necessary, is done without complaints and issues, along with understanding how to leverage scholarships is important, how to work with you know the athletic trainers in a good way. I think that is more important nowadays, and for me and a lot of my administrative friends, than just the ability to say, I can get you six or seven studs that can play and we can win. That's a small part of the equation. Well, it's certainly part of the equation. James, if I'm a candidate for one of your positions and, and we've spoken already and, and you've told me that I'm in the mix, um, what what type of engagement do you like to see from, from me, from your candidates in the in-between time? You know, you hear kind of both things. Some people like it when, you know, maybe I, I hit you with a text and, and the next day an email and the next day I have someone call on my behalf. Other people, you know, that turns them off. Where, where do you yeah. lie on that spectrum? I, I am not. I am an over communicator by nature, and so I have limited problem with someone over communicating. Although I do think it's a fine line for me and any other administrator that you're doing a little bit too much, look a little too hungry, you know, look a little too eager. Um, you want to show that you are, you know, interested and pumped and you know, ready for that opportunity, especially that you know you've got some traction because it's so hard to get jobs. I mean, jobs are so hard to get 
and there's so many people going after them that once you get a little bit of traction, it's really easy to be like, you know, Michael Scott in the office of my, my, my turn. And it's <laughs> right. really, it's really um, tough not to want to just over inundate. And, you know, another thing like to that point is having people call for you and have people send emails on your behalf balancing that out so that there's some strategy with it so that maybe you go two or three days and then you have somebody pop in with a phone call or an email or then the next day you might send a text in that interim between yes you've got some traction and when the actual interview process is going to take place it's important to make sure you stay engaged but also not become an annoyance and become a little bit too eager that fine line is going to be i getting from the administrator. For me, if I felt like it was too much, read between the lines on my response. It might be, hey, thanks again for checking in. I, I assure you next week you'll hear from our HR offices and we'll, we're definitely going to be in touch. That to me says, hey, we've heard enough from you. Uh, the process is working and we're going we're gonna to get with you. You don't. The last thing you want to do is lose a job because you ignored it, but you also don't want to lose a, a job opportunity because you were too eager to become annoyance. I do want to point out one thing. There's a lot of reasons on postings where it'll say no phone calls, please, and that legitimately is that administrator trying to say, listen, I'm helping you out here. That doesn't mean make phone calls, please, anyways. It's not going it, to. I don't think it's going to help in any way. I think it can only hurt because I would look at that as an administrator that says, yes. Super eager, but to ask them to do something at some point that I need to know that they can follow uh, instructions. What can so for me? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, for me, I'm an over communicator by nature, so I probably would be communicating with that person regularly. But it's important to understand, as an administrator, we don't always control the HR process and how fast or slow that moves. What can what can assistant coaches be doing? Uh, to help their chances of getting a head job? That's a great question. You know, we talk, uh, I talk all the time that even when I was a head coach, but as a director of athletics, you have a drawer and you open that drawer up and there's a list of names. It's not that you don't love your coaches that you have, but if one of my coaches were to lead tomorrow for about every single one of our positions, I can open up a drawer and I have a list of names of people that I would be interested in. Assistant coaches need to find a way to get themselves on that list. Now there's, there's lots of ways to do that. Some is the old school camp grind, get out, be seen. But I think more and more it's about who notices you, who can, how can you be, you know, from an administrative standpoint, how can someone uh, be noticed? And there are advantages when you're playing at certain schools. I will tell you, especially as a basketball coach, um, past basketball coach, or even this year I did game day operations for softball, I watched how assistant coaches interacted with their players. I watched how they – would come on and off the, the field or and on basketball. I'd watch how they would interact with officials, um, whether the you know things were picked up or not. And it seems cliche, but there's been a there's been at least two occasions already in this year where I have taken note of an assistant coach because of how they've interacted with their players and been impressed with that. I went to a, a track meet, uh, indoor track meet a, a month or so ago. Watched a, a young GA probably working with some runners and watched him work for about 15 minutes and was very, very impressed and sort of took note of that. That's sort of the obvious to live right and do great at the job that you currently have. That's hard to understand, but being great where you currently are is your best opportunity because people will take notice of that. And then remember back when I said that coaches will, or athletic directors will call around and ask other coaches and other people, 
the more people that can see that, even if it's not within your region, even if you're not um, in that conference, I've had people call me and say, we've got a tennis opening. Do you know anybody? We've got a volleyball assistant coaching opening or head coach. And I think your best way is to be great at where you are. And also just the old school network in a positive way. Be seen in a positive way. Everything you're doing at the Final Four, everything you're doing at conventions, everything you're doing at uh, coaching clinics, you're interacting in a way that says, I am a next head coach somewhere. What's the best advice you've been given, uh, either about hiring specifically or just in general about being an athletic director? Well, first off, the first thing I've learned about, I think as a head coach, this is applicable, but even as an administrator especially, is there are no casual conversations that, um, you know, and we run into this a little bit when we're coaching and recruiting. You might mention that you're looking for a, a, po- a new post player. The next thing you know, you've heard all over the, the country that you're adding, you're looking for another post player all over the state. Um, and as an administrator, uh, you might have a conversation with somebody about, you know, X, Y, and Z. And the next thing you know, X, Y, and Z is a fact. So I think casual conversations and what you say publicly, I've learned, um, you have to sort of be really careful and guarded in a positive way about what it is that you're sharing, what you're saying. But I think the most important thing for me is that if you are working really hard, like I just said about assistant coaches, if you're working really hard at where you're at, and you're putting in the time and you're doing the job, even if it's not where you want to be ultimately, um, it's going to pay dividends and it's going to pay off because it's usually when you're not looking or when you're just working really hard and content with where what you're doing is when the next opportunity is. Okay, last question, James. Um, when do you know it's time to part ways with a coach? Yeah, you know, at this level especially, I sort of look, and my institution looks at three different things. It's recruit retain and win and we usually say in my mind you need to do two of those three um if you're recruiting at a high level and you're retaining at a high level and maybe the wins and losses aren't there then i can work and try to help get the resources and things that you need in order to be a little bit more successful um if you're recruiting and winning but you're not retaining your student athletes aren't having a great experience um you're not providing the support you're bringing in uh student athletes that aren't able to make it academically then we can work on those kind of things it's when you you sort of forget that recruiting and retaining is part of it and only winning, or if you're not, um, you're, if you're only, so if you're only winning, but not doing those things, or if you're recruiting at a high level, but not able to retain or win, that's when I think conversations have to take. Um, this is a tough time of the year as people in carousel can be exciting for some folks, but it's also families and such that are, you know, now uprooted and having to move on to the next opportunity and the next challenge. And so at this level, especially, we, uh, if someone is working very hard and communicates really well, we do everything we can to make it work for them. The time that it's, when it's time to move on is if they don't meet, meet consistently um, after an plan, ways that I can help them be successful. When those things aren't being done, then it's time for us to say, maybe this isn't the best fit for you. James, thank you so much for your insight. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Right Fit Podcast. Just a quick reminder to please subscribe to the podcast and write us a review. We're a new podcast, so every review helps us find new listeners and helps spread the knowledge.